Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHD, WPHD, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, this is the drive at 5. 30 minutes of non-stop talk with Rich Zioli. Chris Christie is living in a delusional world where he's going to win New Hampshire and become the nominee for president. He's not going to win New Hampshire. As calls for him to get out of the race and back Nikki Haley continue as the establishment rushes to coronate her because they know Donald Trump can win. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us Friday in Cape May. We had a lot of fun. That Democrat Senate staffer who uh, filmed a gay sex tape in the Senate room that was on Amy Klobuchar's chair, now facing charges by the Capitol Police. The police are investigating. I see them discussing it on the five. By the way, I had a a nice morning today. I was on Dana Perino's podcast, Perino on Politics. I'm not sure exactly when it'll drop, but it was nice to catch up with my friend Dana. And we chatted about politics, mostly around Pennsylvania for 2024 and what it's going to be like. And we talked about a number of issues and uh, can't wait for you to listen to it as soon as that comes out. But um, when you think about Pennsylvania, I think the big takeaway of today is that John Fetterperson has come out to distance himself from his own party, saying that he wants the border to be secure and he stands with Israel. I mean, that's how freaking nuts the Democrat Party is. But let's think about a couple things here as we uh, start this five o'clock hour and 30 minutes of nonstop talk. Here is, um, this is now the crazies in the Democrat Party, and there's a lot of them. Let's start with Pramila J. Powell, shall we? Pramila J. Powell, squad member, whack job Washington, claims that Republicans want policies so extreme that if enacted, it would literally be, well, take a listen now and remember the difference in what she's talking about, which affected actual American citizens and what she's talking about that does not affect actual American citizens Uh, Cut number six. Republicans are choosing to hold Ukraine funding hostage in exchange for cruel and unworkable immigration policy demands. Senate Democrats and the White House must not agree to these extreme demands. It is imperative that my Senate colleagues and the White House understand what is on the table 
are policies so extreme that if enacted, it would literally be the most exclusionary, restrictive immigration legislation since the racial quota laws of the 1920s, literally turning the clock back 100 years. What happens the next time the administration asks for more Ukraine funding or for some other must-pass bill? What Republican priority will they demand to extract a one-time ask? A nationwide abortion ban, perhaps? Gut Medicare and Social Security? Destroy public education? Strip voting rights? We would say no to those things. We should say no to this as well. See how nuts that is? Now, first of all, racial quota laws, which the left loves to scream about, were something that Democrats pushed. Woodrow Wilson, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, other people. Uh, you don't hear about that, though, in, in school. They don't, they don't teach you about that stuff. But that's beside the point. Uh, when Democrats impose racial quota laws that hurt American citizens, and things like affirmative action, that sort of thing, college admissions, those kind of quota laws, those are also racial quota laws they hurt american citizens though but they don't care about that that for them that's a good that's a good purpose that's a good purpose there's nothing about what the united states is doing right now that is any way shape or form a racial quota law but it what they want to do is secure the border so what the democrats always do is they try to deflect and and distract everybody and say oh well listen actually by securing the border you're imposing this american purity test and you're just like hitler there is not a country in the world that has an open border like the United States does. Not, not one. You can't find, find it. Try to find it. All these countries that the left screams about and loves, like Palestine, for example, uh, which is not actually a country, but try to, try to just walk in. Try to walk into Iran. See how that works out for you. I would just walk into Iran and just be like, hey, how you doing? Just cross the border. Just want to say hello. And hey, how's it going? You can't do that in France. You can't do that in, 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 in almost every country in the world. You just can't come in and you're not allowed to just overstay your visa. If you are allowed in, you have to leave. And if you don't leave, you're committing a federal crime in those countries. But this is the game. This is the fantasy that America has to be the quote unquote melting pot. So therefore we have open borders. We've never had open borders in this country ever. Immigration is something that has always been to help the United States of America achieve certain things. We had different laws that we used in place where we wanted certain people from certain countries for various reasons, uh, mostly about labor and that sort of thing. But nevertheless, leave that out of it. All we're trying to do is secure the southern border. That's it. And now Democrats are trying to do the old thing again about how somehow that's racist. This has led to Pennsylvania Senator, Senate Democrat John Fetterperson literally coming out to take time out of his day to let everybody know that he does not agree with that. That's how freaking nuts these people sound. That's what they sound. They sound like crazy people. Now, the question becomes, how much is this, of this issue is going to help the Republican nominee in 2024? I think it's going to be huge. I think people have had it with the border. I think they've had it. I think that they've decided that it is absolutely uh, infuriating. The lawlessness and watching this happen, you've got Democrat mayors like Eric Adams calling out the administration. You have the, the, the governor of Arizona, Katie Hobbs, allegedly sending troops to the border, National Guard troops. I don't know if she really is or not, but... And you have Fetterman speaking out. So everybody realizes what the problem is, but the extremists have taken over the Democrat Party. So that's how that goes. The question is, who are the Republicans going to back? So first of all, here's Chris Christie talking about his big plans here. What's going to happen for Chris Christie? This is his this is his swan song here. Same strategy he had in 2016. Same exact strategy. I'm going to win New Hampshire and be the nominee. He didn't, and he's not going to, but it's the same exact strategy he had back then. Cut 16. 
And you have the chance to come back here and meet all of us and judge us by looking us in the eye and listening to us. And then don't go try to figure out who's going to win. Decide who you want to win. And then go and make that happen for that person. Because I will tell you this, if I win the primary here in New Hampshire, and it's going to come down to meet Donald Trump and Nikki Haley. That's what's going to come down to me. I win this primary, I'm going to be the nominee. If I'm the nominee, I will beat Joe Biden. And then we're going to go to a whole new era in our politics in this country. And there'll be four words ringing in my head when I take the oath of office on January 20th of 2025. Thank you, New Hampshire. Yeah, it didn't work in 2016, and it's not going to work now. I think Chris Christie's only staying in the race at this point because Chris Christie wants to play offense or defense, depending on it, for Nikki Haley, although he's also called out Nikki Haley, but he called out Trump in 2016, too, so you never know. But just to show you my point about how the establishment is now rushing to try to to surround themselves with Nikki Haley, not because they think Trump can't win, but because they think Trump can win, here is that vile waste of space from the New York Times, David Brooks, who at one point pretended to be a phony conservative, along with Washington Post columnist Ruth Marcus and Anna Nawez to discuss the 2016 election. Listen to what Brooks is saying here. This is what the establishment wants now. Cut number 11. David, do you see anything, anything in that field changing between now and the time the Iowa caucuses begin? No, probably not. Um, you know, I, I, we are always waiting. Well, once campaigning starts in Iowa, then the numbers will begin to move around. And so campaigning has started and the numbers are not moving around. If anything, Donald Trump is doing even better. Yeah. Uh, and so and one of the little statistics that leapt out of me is among people, Iowans who've never been to a caucus. So political novices, basically. Trump, I saw, was winning by them by 62 or 63 percent. So he's like swamping people, like he's bringing in new people. Bringing in new folks, too. Yeah. Uh, and so he just looks very formidable in Iowa. He's bringing in new people, and he's got an operation for how to run the caucuses that was very amateurish um, last time around, and that is much better uh, last time around being 2016. Um, when he had a contested primary, um, and it's going to be much better now. It's a kind of a preview of, um, heaven forbid, a second Trump term. He's getting smarter at doing this, and I, I don't think there's any reason to expect that he's not going to be not going to win the caucuses and not going to be the Republican nominee. There was a conversation we had several months ago. I haven't heard in a while about eventually, if enough people wanted to stop him from becoming the nominee, they had to drop out. They had to coalesce behind a single candidate. Has that moment come and gone, David? Well, then I was. He's over 50 percent, so it's yeah. sort of an academic argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think it would be useful for Chris Christie to drop out right now uh, and give Nikki Haley some kind of shot in New Hampshire. Um, and it's just, as somebody pointed out, it's a rerun of 2016. It's uh, too late. It's just too, it's too late. The, the math is, is it's not going to work. It, it's over. Uh, their time to do that was a long time ago. But these people all have giant egos and they all think they could be president. And so they missed the boat. That's it. I mean, it's just a reality. They're acknowledging it too. They're acknowledging, you know, you heard it. You heard them say it. I'm not like a Trump sycophant. I don't have to be. I'm just looking at the numbers. And even those people on the panel acknowledge what I'm telling you. But that, that is what the establishment wants. They want to they coalesce around Nikki Haley now. They want her to be the nominee. They want everybody else out of the race. But if you're Ron DeSantis at this point, you're still, you still are in second place in Iowa, even though Haley apparently now has, is in second place in New Hampshire. Why would you go anywhere at this point? You're already, you're already this far down the road. You might as well stick it out. 
you might as well stay in. So I don't I don't foresee DeSantis getting out to help Nikki Haley. I don't see Haley getting out to help DeSantis. So the rest of the other ones are all they're all relevant. They don't they don't add up to anything. There nothing stops Trump at this point. Nothing. Nothing stops him from becoming the nominee, barring some existential thing that is outside the realm of the universe that that is 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 outside of everybody's control and i don't mean jail and i don't mean a a, a guilty verdict i don't mean those things because that's not going to do it i mean alien abduction death by the abominable snowman something that extreme that's it that's all you got and they know this and they're panicking and yeah they probably should have at some point all coalesced around one candidate but that it's too late for that it's too late And now the question becomes, how do you stop Trump? And the fear that Trump is going to be a dictator, that he's going to stop, suspend the Constitution, that he's going to put people into labor camps, he's never going to leave the White House, he's going to be Hitler. If he was going to do all those things, why didn't he do it his first term? You know, if you want to be a dictator and you know that your term is coming to an end because, well, in your mind, you believe you were cheated from it, but either way, there's a date when you got to vacate the White House, but you're, you're, you're there, you're the president. Why don't... Why not do it then? See, this is what I can't understand about this argument. I mean, imagine it's me. It's, it, I'm, it's January 2021, and my, my Mussolini-like instincts are taking over because I'm obviously Italian. I might be related to the guy for all we know. And I decide, you know what? I'm not going anywhere. Call me old Duque. I'm not leaving. I'm staying right here, all right? I got the military on my side. I call him up and say, I'm not leaving. If you're going to do it, that's the chance to do it. If you're, why would you... If you're, if you're a dictator... What dictator has actually left and then tried to come back for the purposes of being a dictator? Dictators don't leave. That's why they're dictators. Dictators stay in power until they're either overthrown or uh, they have an illegitimate love child who becomes the prime minister of Canada. They don't go anywhere. Oh, did that get through the censors? Nice. Boom. See that? DeSantis isn't even paying attention. That's a win right there, Henry. You see that? I'm listening. I'm listening. That's a win. That's a win. You missed it, didn't you? I, I actually did not hear what you said. You see, you didn't hear. You're no, I was queuing up the audio. I said dictators me. never leave. They stay in office until they're overthrown or they have an illegitimate love child who becomes the prime minister of Canada. <laughs> it could be anybody. It could be anybody. It's a hypothetical, hypothetical uh, situation, I'm saying. Yeah, I think Purely the lawyer, hypothetical. The lawyers will probably let that slide. All right, so the censors did not get activated for that. Yeah. I liked it. That's good. <laughs> anyway, your, your clip is it's queued up and ready. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, so dictators don't leave. So that's the point. I mean, why, if you're going to be a dictator, be a dictator. Don't wait to be a dictator. Don't procrastinate. When you have power, you seize power and you don't let it go. When have you ever heard of a dictator that had power and was like, ah, I'm going to give it up. And then I'm going to fight like hell to get it back. So then I can be the dictator. Dictators, when they have power, they seize it. But everybody's saying Trump's going to be a dictator. He was the president. He had the power and he didn't become a dictator. So why do you think he's going to do it this time around? It, it makes no sense. And... It, it, it doesn't it defies logic, of course. But here's a conversation with former RNC chairman Reince Priebus and former Democrat National Committee chairwoman Donna Brazil debating this on ABC's This Week. Cut 15. Mr. Chairman, let me just say this. <laughs> you, you, you're talking about taking millions of people off their health care, which is Donald Trump. He is pledged to do that. That's blood. That is blood. You gotta make You're that talking case. about suspending the United States Constitution, something that well, Donald Trump has said. Yeah, look, I get the anger part. I get the, I get the, I get the people who are frustrated with crime. I get the fact that the border need more 
agents need Democrats more technology. Democrats are suing the White House. More technology. But you know what I don't get? I don't get the fact that you're willing to stand up for someone who's praising dictators. Listen, as he I'm did, not willing to stand is, up. Who is Listen, hungry to get what back I'm with doing Jim here, Donna, okay? is I am telling you what the reality on the ground is. Right. And there's 100,000 people in five states that are going to decide this election. And if you can convince me that those 100,000 people are worried about Donald Trump suspending the Constitution, uh... You know, look, Even though he has uh, said that on multiple but, but You have to be able well, to convince people that are voting. That, that, that he means what is, he says? But, well, then, if that's, what if that's what your case is, sure. But, but if you, know you really think that, it's not... That this president, the president, you say that Democrats will not walk on glass? Well, they'll go through fire we'll see. to protect the we'll, Constitution. We'll see. They will right. go through fire <laughs> we'll to see. defend... Fire, fire they're going through right. fire to see... Democrats will not protect the Constitution that they want to destroy. They hate the Constitution. What are you, who are you kidding? Uh, but it's interesting. The reason why I wanted you to hear that is Donna Brazil just showed you everything the Democrats have in their playbook, which is Trump is going to destroy the Constitution. He's a dictator. Blah, 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 blah. That's it. They have nothing. And they know there's no enthusiasm for Biden. So it's entirely motivating people out of fear. But in order for people to be motivated by fear, they have to believe it. They have to believe in the scary thing. And they don't. I told you that last week. When James Carville's group looked at polling data and found out that voters, including Democrats, believe the Democrat Party is more extreme and Trump and the Republicans would do a better job of protecting democracy. So I can't scare you if it's not if it's not scary. I can't scare you if you don't believe in the monster. I can tell you there's a monster under your bed. If you don't believe it, you're not going to be afraid. You're going to go to bed. And that's the reality. These people can not scare people because they don't believe it. People don't believe it. The guy was already president. They tried this in 2016. The same arguments, same talking points. Trump was going to blow up the world. He was never going to leave office. He was going to be a dictator. He was going to be the next Hitler. Uh, put journalists in concentration camps. Blah, blah, blah. It didn't happen. So if he was going to do it, he was going to do it then. They didn't do those things. That's why you can't convince people that the scary monster is real this time around. It's, like, it's the equivalent of going to see... The, the sequel to the bad B horror movie that didn't scare you the first time and now believing that this time around it's really going to be scary. No, it's not. You know that the, the villain is not really this scary monster. You saw the first movie. This is the sequel. And now if they try to, if, 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 what, are you going to be afraid of seeing the sequel even though you laughed at the first one because it turns out it wasn't scary. It was actually funny. What did Trump do in his first term that actually scared anybody? Nothing. But this is, this is the point. You know what actually scares people, though, in this country? What Bill Malusian reported from the southern border. Authorities are suspending railway operations at the southern border to free up agents to help with the flood of illegal immigration. This actually scares people. They think our country is being invaded. They think this is going to have major, major consequences. They see it with their own eyes. That's why Ryan's previous said you have Democrats suing the White House right now, making, tr trying to force the White House to do something about the border situation. Cut number two. Take a live look at our Fox News drone over in Eagle Pass. They have had another mass illegal crossing out there. You can see hundreds upon hundreds of illegal immigrants waiting for processing there. You might be able to see a bridge off in the background. That is where the trains come in. Well, CBP has announced they are suspending railway operations to move CBP officers down into the field to help Border Patrol with processing. In other words, Harris, they're shutting down international commerce in order to help speed up 
processing of these migrants. Many of them, again, will be released. And back out here live, mm-hmm. December is traditionally one of the slowest months at our southern border. But uh, the Border Patrol Union tells us right now their numbers show they are on track to potentially have the highest single month of arrests they have ever had at our southern border. Yeah, you know, that actually scares people right there. It does. I'm telling you, it does. That's it. That's what scares people. Now, I, I think Lindsey Graham's full of it. I'm not a fan of his, as you know, and I think all of his fear-mongering and everything, but he's probably not wrong on the fact that people probably think this and probably really do worry about this as another factor in the border when we have all these people on the terror watch list who are coming in. I don't really spend much time at night worried about another 9-11, but maybe I'm, maybe I'm missing the fact that people do really worry about that stuff. Maybe Lindsey Graham's point about this is, uh, is, is accurate. Uh, cut number three. Can you bring us up to speed? What's the very latest? Do you okay. think there's going to be a deal before the new year? Uh, no, I think uh, this will go into next year. I've been talking to the people at the table. Um, the White House got engaged five days ago. They sent over a supplemental with border security provisions that did nothing to change policy. We've been talking to them since September. Five days ago, they finally sat at this table. Sarah Lankford's doing a good job. Uh, the bottom line here is uh, we feel like we're being jammed. We're not anywhere close to a deal. It'll go into next year. And let me tell you why it's important to get a good border security deal. What Congressman Castro said was pretty offensive. According to the FBI director last week, he's never seen more more threats to the homeland than he does today. Wherever he looks, he sees blinking lights. The border has been obliterated since January 21 till now. Uh, We've had six million people come to date. There are 3.6 million on schedule to come this year alone. The policy choices of the Biden administration has made the border a dangerous place to come to. America is under threat, according to the FBI director, since October the 7th. Uh, jihadist groups want to attack us because we're helping Israel. I've never been more worried about a 9-11 than I am right now, and our border has been obliterated, and we're not going to give in on some uh, Band-Aid fix. Fight. Fight like hell to get an actual border security bill. Please, I beg of you, fight like hell to get an actual border security bill and don't parse language with asylum and refugees and nonsense that the courts are just not going to uphold anyway. Uh, Road Warrior sent this clip. I got to give him credit because if I don't, I'll hear about it on Twitter, obviously. So Road Warrior, thank you for sending me this clip. I appreciate it. All right. (laughs) Thank you, Road Warrior. Got to make sure he gets his proper attribution, Matt DeSantis. He'll get very angry otherwise. Very angry. He was so angry he boycotted Kate May on Friday. I don't even know what I did. Uh, Here is U.S. Senator John Fetterperson talking about something I mentioned to you earlier in the show. I'll talk about it again at 6 o'clock hour about U.S. Steel up outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Take a listen. I'm standing on the roof of my home right here in Braddock, Pennsylvania, right across the street from the Edgar Thompson plant. And I just have to say it's absolutely outrageous that they have sold themselves to a foreign nation and a company. Can't do that. Steel is always about security as well, too. And I am committed to doing anything I can do from using my platform or my position in order to block this. And I'm going to fight for the steel workers and their union way of life here as well, too. And we cannot ever allow them to be screwed over or left behind. 
it's it's the question Road Warrior asks, is this guy on our side? I got to wonder, maybe it is a body double that John Fetterperson has. Maybe it's not really John Fetterperson anymore. Maybe the body double has taken over, like in the movie Dave. In the movie Dave, they have a body double who essentially winds up infiltrating his own politics into the president's agenda. Because he's he's much more of a uh, of a lefty than the president is, and that's why his whole platform becomes finding a job for every American, which shocks all the president's aides and everything like that. Maybe this is the same case like the movie Dave. Here's John Fetterperson's body double, who turns out he's more conservative than John Fetterperson, and now he's actually putting in those policies, like he wants to secure borders, stand with Israel, and he wants to uh, block the acquisition of U.S. steel from a foreign company. It's very possible. Sometimes life imitates art or art imitates life or whatever it is. Maybe both. Maybe both is happening at the same time. But I would not rule that out because I definitely do think that John Fetterperson has a body double. Even though he's denied it, it certainly seems like the body double is more conservative than him has taken over. Or whatever medication they gave him after the stroke is now at least causing him to at least maybe think more critically about certain things that he knows are important to the voters of Pennsylvania. Maybe, in other words, he's, he's actually thinking like a pragmatic politician. That's certainly possible, no doubt about that. Uh, when it comes to these snarky little millennials and other people, Gen Zers, who graduate from these Ivy League schools, and then they wind up getting jobs as journalists. There was a great segment on Real Time with Bill Maher over the weekend, and I, I thought this was fantastic. Walter Kern, who's a journalist... Explain the importance of going to work at a small newspaper before taking a job at a large newspaper like the New York Times, which, of course, the New York Times is a joke. Uh, It really is. And the story he tells about this, about what the New York Times wrote about his home state of Montana, is very telling in terms of how the corporate media, the left, approaches things with an agenda preset in mind. And then they work to build a story that proves that agenda, even though it's a bunch of BS. Cut 12. Apropos of our discussion of what you can and can't do anymore, and so he put out a, a thing in The Economist this week called "The New York When the New York Times Lost Its Way. He said local newspapers were the, used to be the proving ground between college campuses and national newsrooms. In other words, a kid would get out of college, go do the local newspaper, and then go on. If you did well, you got scooped up by The New York Times or some paper like that. Now you go right from Harvard which is where, by the way, the Boston mayor, she went to Harvard. And I think we've looked under the rock at Harvard recently. <laughs> but does this make sense to you, that you need that training and the local newspaper, and when they come right from the Ivy League, that's why we have papers that he thinks lost their way? Sure. I mean, I come from a town that had one of the smallest daily local papers, the population 7,000. We had a paper every day. Um, they would send reporters from, I remember I had a friend from Brown University who came to town. I said, you know, very sophisticated kid. I said, what are you doing here? He says, I'm going to learn to report. And, uh, you know, he went down to the police station. He went to the bar. He met everybody in the town. And he got out his notebook and he learned the human side of things. And, yeah, he moved up. He, he ultimately owned a paper. So, you know, that minor league is really important if you want to learn your fundamentals. And uh, people who think that all reporting is done by Twitter and on Twitter, Twitter, uh, and go straight from the bubble of the Ivy League to the bubble of the New York Times, right. aren't really covering America. They're well, yeah. covering their friends' set. He says, he says the time... He says the Times is becoming the publication through which America's progressive elite talks to itself about an America that does not really exist. 
there was a story he winds up telling about how they wanted to write how Montana was being infiltrated by these extreme Christians. And he says, you know, I live in Montana. And part of that they use as their as their data point, and the reporter was in town for a couple of days, was how far Native Americans have to travel from their Indian reservations to go vote. He said it's Montana. Everybody has to travel long distances to go vote. This isn't some coordinated conspiracy to keep Indians from voting. It's Montana. It's a big, wide open state. And sometimes you have to drive a long way to vote. But that's not the point, though. The point that he was making is that they went in there to write a story about how Montana is this right wing, radical, Christian, domestic violence, extremist state. And here's proof of that. And the analogy that they gave is so stupid that if they if the reporter had actually spent actual time there, they would know it was stupid. But the New York Times goes in. They send a guy in there for a weekend, probably not even a full weekend, probably like 36 hours, pay a couple of his uh, of his of his meal tickets, writes a story. And then look, now a red state looks bad and looks racist and hateful and blah, blah, blah. It's the agenda. It's what the corporate media does. It's something I tell you about all the time. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Dr. Mike Venaria, great guy, great friend of the show, and the master of dental implants. How about this? As you think about your Christmas break coming up, why not do something for yourself? Give yourself the gift of a beautiful smile. Make an appointment to see Dr. Mike Venaria. He is the master of dental implants. And for 10 consecutive years, he has been named top dentist in New Jersey because of the great work that he does. With two offices to serve you in Cinnaminson and Woodbury, it's easy to get to Dr. Mike and to see him and get the smile you deserve. I'm telling you right now, he's a great guy. It's why he's my dentist. And my whole family goes to Dr. Mike. He handles general dentistry, cosmetic dentistry, pain-free root canal treatment if necessary, and of course, complicated dental implants. That's really his specialty, and he does them better than anybody. Complicated dental implants. If you've had a quote for extensive dental work, please get a second opinion by reaching out to my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria. Just go to VenariaDental.com, V-A-N-A-R-I-A, VenariaDental.com. The people in the office are great. The staff is great. The music's great. And care is their utmost concern. There's a lot of these chain dental offices out there. And I'm telling you right now, the chain dental offices, they are obsessed with one thing, and that is their bottom line. You need the guy who is going to be there for you when it comes to care. So please reach out to him today. Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com, VenariaDental.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The Zioli Show. On your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. 
What is what is this? What what is this? Caller call off request this. It was uh, Mike and Landenberg, and wow, what a what a request! This is incredible. Oh, it's made my day. <laughs> is this Weird Al? No, this is Bob Rivers. <laughs> Very funny, actually. We have uh, other people requesting songs like "Mercy Me's God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen," like Beth. Asked us to play, but we're playing this one. There's <laughs> a lot of requests out there. Please tag me in them so I see it. That's all. Christmas by Donny Hathaway. The OJ's Christmas just ain't Christmas, but this one's pretty funny too, though. I like that. So what's it called again? I am Santa Claus by Bob Rivers. <laughs> very funny. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Well done. Well done. Well, we have from now until our 90-minute show on Thursday to get as much of these in as we possibly can. So the best thing to do is to tag Henry or call the show because I have no I have no pull here. I have zero sway. All I can really do is veto Matt DeSantis's, uh <laughs> recommendation. Yeah, like I'm 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 acting like Santa Claus here. I'm making a list. I'm checking it twice here with all the songs. So yeah, yeah. tag me in if you want to hear it played. Yeah, I've gotten everything I've requested has been rejected thus far. Yeah, as it should be because all of yours are these mainstream, quote unquote, hits. That people have been hearing now for the last nine weeks and they want to crash their car every time it comes on. <laughs> people like the classics. No, no. Not after four or five weeks of playing them over and over again. <clears throat> you got to do Zat You Santa, though. Okay. You got to do it. I'm putting it on the list. Because I love that one. If I had suggested that, there's no way he would have put it on the list. You didn't suggest it. Somebody else did. I'm Somebody just means saying. a lot more to me than you do. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> uh, another email from what's her name? Yeah, you gotta get reprimanded. <laughs> Sally's gonna send another email. So mean. Uh, I was gonna mention. I was gonna mention. Um, let's see here now. Oh yeah, the. Uh, this baseball player, we talked about this guy last week, uh, Shohei Otani. Is that right? Yes. He could save $98 million by dodging California's state income taxes with his unusual eye-popping contract. He signed a 10-year contract this week with the Los Angeles Dodgers, who promised to pay him an eye-popping $700 million. But unlike most sports contracts, $700 million won't be doled out over the 10-year term of the deal. And as a result, both Otani and the Dodgers are poised to dodge some of the taxes they might otherwise be obligated to pay on the record-breaking deal. He's going to collect $2 million in each of the next 10 years. The rest of his $68 million salary will be deferred for a decade, and the Dodgers will owe it to him in annual installments starting in 2034. By the time Otani collects the last of those payments, he'll be 49 years old and retired. Because he's playing most of the games in high-tax California, taking most of his pay via what's effectively a fixed annuity gives him the possibility of avoiding some massive tax payments. By the time he starts receiving the $68 million payments, he may be able to avoid state income taxes by living someplace else like Florida, 
without an income tax or by moving back to Japan. It's a beautiful, beautiful way to avoid paying taxes. And I say, bravo. California has the country's highest state income tax rates. The top marginal rate is currently 13.3%, including a special 1% tax on income over a million dollars. And the rate is set to rise to 14.4% next year. By taking most of his pay once effectively a fixed annuity rather than giving it all out in his paycheck, Otani could save as much as $98 million in state taxes if he relocates out of California by 2034. Wow. The report also highlights how dependent California is on high-earning individuals, the same people the state seems determined to keep driving away by hiking taxes. The amount of income... The amount of income tax Otani could save annually by changing his residence in 2033 is equivalent to the total tax liability of the bottom 1.78 million tax filers in 2021. Wow. He's a talented guy and he's certainly, uh, you know, good for him. I always say you should try to earn as much as you possibly can in life and try to give the government the least amount of money you possibly can. Of course, the Major League Baseball has what's called the luxury tax, which is a redistributionist scheme that is meant to limit how much money richer clubs spend on players in the name of maintaining competitive balance. The luxury tax applies to teams with payrolls that exceed a level determined annually by Major League Baseball. Teams that exceed the threshold pay a 22.5% tax on every payroll dollar above the threshold, and the percentage of the tax escalates for teams that exceed the threshold in consecutive seasons. The luxury tax threshold for next season is $237 million. So the good news for him is that by structuring it this way, uh, he gets to avoid that as well, which is good. But that's the, uh, I mean, that's the thing. The, uh, you know, California is a great, is a great case study in this. They hate rich people, but they need them. So they tax them to death and then they say, I'm leaving because I want to keep more of my money. And then what happens? They keep raising taxes on people. And then this becomes a vicious cycle that these these blue wacko states never seem to learn. And then states like Florida, which does not rely on doing that, uh, gets people from California with lots of money to come and move there. And then they spend their money there buying things and going out to dinner and buying more things. And then everybody wins. But that's the concept that blue states cannot figure out. It's why nobody retires in New Jersey. That's why people wind up leaving. You know, and they, where do they go? They go to Florida. They maintain their residency down there. I don't know very many people who dream of retiring in, say, New Jersey, for example. And not just because it's Jersey, but also because of the taxes. So they leave. And this happens over and over again. Uh, the the uh, investigation into the gay sex video that was shot in the Senate office chambers and the fact that the mean, mean Republicans are just trying to vilify this man for making a gay porno in a Senate uh, committee room this story is just absolutely fantastic. So this snarky guy winds up filming this video and then he's now facing all kinds of investigations, potential charges and everything like that. It's an insurrection of another kind. That's for sure. And uh, the, the, the way that they're trying to spin this now, the left is, is that if you don't, if you think this was wrong for the guy to do by filming a gay sex tape in a Senate committee room, you just really don't like gay people. That's just really what it comes down to. All right? That's just really what it comes down to. You just don't like it. I mean, this was art. Please. But truly, the Democrats were happy this happened because for an entire weekend, they didn't have to talk about Joe Biden's poll numbers. They were able to talk about something else. They were. They were able to talk about something else. 
they could talk about a gay porn video in a Senate room. And they were they were okay with it. They they they, they really were. They were they were okay with it happening. Uh, there was no there was no spin around it other than mean Republicans don't like this. That was basically it. That was their whole that was their whole spin. Uh, speaking of this gender nonsense, multiple New Jersey school districts are scrapping their transgender policies. The state policy directed school staff to hide students' gender from parents. Well, now uh, more school districts in the state are turning around and they are saying no, and they are rejecting this guidance from the state of New Jersey. Originally, the state of New Jersey told them it was mandatory. They said, you have to keep parents in the dark about the kid's transgender identity. You can't tell parents. So if Bobby comes to school and says he's Susie, uh, you have to keep the parents in the dark. Well, when the state did that, they said it was mandatory. It turns out it was guidance, not mandatory. And now more and more school districts are pushing back on this and saying, uh, we're not doing that. Parents have a right to know. We're going to let the parents know because we are not going to cover up something that could be a true mental health crisis for these children and something that with a little bit of intervention, we can actually do something to protect them from future harm for themselves. So I'm glad to see that happening. When I did the podcast today with Dana Perino, which is now uh, live, and I just tweeted out a link to it, she asked me at the very end of the interview, what is one of the biggest things I'm hearing? And I keep telling her, it, it's, it, it, it is no doubt about it, Schools and school boards are a big issue. And if people think that suburban moms and suburban dads, even the more moderate types, are okay with the transgender policies in schools, they're wrong. They don't want their little girl losing out competing to a biological dude. They don't want a bio dude in the locker room. They don't want a bio dude walking around with, a, with an insurrection all day in the sorority house. They don't want these things. And they also don't want to be kept in the dark about their kids about anything. They don't want that either. So mark my words, this issue is a good issue for Republicans. They should embrace it, not run from it. And they should say it's all about protecting children and parental rights. It's a big issue for them and they should embrace it. Don't run away from it. Don't fall into the trap of listening to the corporate media and big tech and the nonsense and believing that you're on the wrong side of this issue. Uh, You're not. The, the, the game that's played, of course, is to always pretend like the majority stands with the crazies and the whack jobs, but the majority does not stand with the crazies and the whack jobs. It's just that the crazies and the whack jobs have very, very loud voices. When these school boards are asked a question, parents turn around and say, what do you mean you're going to keep me in the dark about my own kid? My, my child could be having some serious mental health crisis going on. There could be drugs, could be alcohol, could be, could be lots of different things. I need to know about it. I got to deal with it. The argument that King Philip the Unaccountable and these other blue state governors will use is, well, you know, you're going to beat the kids or something like that. No, you're not. Stop it. Guys, listen, now is the time to get your wife, your girlfriend, the love of your life, something so beautiful she's going to love and be so grateful for. I'm talking about the naturally nude pajamas of pajamagram.com. Pajamagram.com. That's where you want to go right now. You'll get the free naturally nude nighty. It's a $75 value. Yours free at pajamagram.com. All you got to do is go there today. They'll wrap it for you and ship it. You'll get it right away. She's going to love how it feels on her. You're going to love how it looks on her. Soft, silky, luxurious, way more uh, more comfortable than lingerie with a wonderful uh, fit to it. And the free Naturally Nude 90, it's a home run. So just go to pajamagram.com, order the Naturally Nude pajamas. You're running out of time though. So you got to do it now right now do it right now don't wait do it now pajamagram.com pajamagram.com thanks for listening to the c 
the Oli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. That good job, right? My legs feel like, like strong. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a song you my hear beat to death either. Play it all the time. Kindly, no. will you reply? Is that you, Santa Claus? Louis Armstrong. Is that you, Santa? I had never heard that song to somebody... Uh, Requested it last year, and it became one of my favorites. And then this year, I couldn't remember what it was. Now, now we know. See that? We're also the uh, the uh, the natives are angry, as they say. Already getting blasted by the greater Chris for what we're not playing. We're getting in trouble for what we're not playing. Usually in radio, they they uh, they you get in trouble for the stuff you you don't get in trouble for the stuff you don't play. But it's the opposite on this show. <laughs> what the hell is happening over there? Bob Rivers, play some Dino, Johnny Mathis, Nat King Cole, Frank, Perry Como, something. I said we'll get there. Okay, we'll get there. It's a long week. There's plenty we'll of breaks there. to come back from. Plenty of songs to play. We'll we'll, yeah, we'll hit all the good ones. Yeah, it's only the first day we started doing this, and we, as usual, we didn't have a plan. It wasn't like we started to formulate anything we don't ever discuss anything before the show that's true so we do everything in the middle of the show <laughs> literally it's better that way yeah it is better that I way like the spontaneity <clears throat> and we also try to uh to, to make this the only army happy with requests but there's a lot coming in we don't we can't meet all we can't we can't do all of them obviously but i think we learned a lesson here next year if we we're at the grand hotel for christmas time again we need to do Christmas carols. We need to get a we need to get a band there or somebody sing Christmas carols. We need to do it right. You know what I mean? That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, got to do it right. We had Santa but, Claus there though. That was exciting. He even Santa wore his Claus Zioli was great. T-shirt. I sat on his lap and everything. And he wore a Zioli show T-shirt. Santa wore a Zioli army shirt at the end of the uh, at the end of the night. That's how things had progressed. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was wonderful. It was great. It's quite an endorsement. You, you know, Santa Claus endorses the show. It doesn't get any bigger than that. No, no. And, and, and Santa is real. And the United States Postal Service confirmed that in Miracle on 34th Street. And Santa endorsed the show. He's a member of the Zioli Army. And there you go. Uh, Santa endorsement around Christmas time, nothing bigger. Maybe, you know, in summer, it's not that big a deal. But middle of December, uh, that's a big get. Yeah, this time of year. I want to, um, speaking as we're doing the social media check-in from our friends at Cherry Hill Volvo, where relationships matter, Brian Glass, my Marvel advisor slash DC advisor, he said, um, with regards to Die Hard being a Christmas movie, here's why. A strange couple on the verge of divorce gather for one last Christmas, face adversity, and are reconciled as a result. It's a beautiful Christmas message. (laughs) Ho, ho, ho. Now I have a machine gun too. I mean, it's a beautiful story of redemption. Christmas movie, don't you think? Just screams happy holidays. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, and don't forget at the end of the movie when they're walking out of Nakatomi Plaza, uh, they do sing, well, the weather outside is frightful. So, <laughs> What about all the carnage during the course of the film? That's not all that, you know, Christmassy. I'm just saying, you know, there's a lot of... We still fight wars during Christmas. We still have battles on Christmas. Last time I checked, George Washington crossed the Delaware on Christmas <laughs> Eve. That is true. You know, because the Hessians all were getting drunk. Typical Germans, right? They had no idea it was coming. Boom. That would be an interesting Christmas movie. I'm surprised no one has created it yet. Well, <clears throat> the... Uh, 
the thought was for somebody to, uh, based on that video that was filmed by that Senate staffer, an insurrection of another kind could be the title of that movie. Oh, I'll pass. I don't think I'll yeah, see it's that one. Gross, actually. Yeah, it's a baller move, though. It is a baller move, but um, <laughs> yeah, he can't get caught. I mean, that's that's the yeah, only thing. Not get caught. Problem. He posted it everywhere. Yeah, that's that's just stupid. Yeah. that's yeah. plain stupid. Well, you know, videos tend to follow you. It's yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, he obviously did it on purpose. He wanted it to be out there, and it's out there. Oh, it's out there. <laughs> it's out there. That's for sure. Poor Amy Klobuchar. I never thought I'd say that, but poor Amy Klobuchar. Yeah, you got to get a new seat. You got to you got to take that seat out and burn it. Yeah, there's I, no way. There's no you can't save that seat. You know what I mean? No. Typically, I'm against government spending, but in this instance, I'm with you, Rich. Throw yeah. that chair out and go get yourself a new one. Get yourself a new one. Period. Even if it costs forty two thousand dollars, it's worth it. <laughs> well, man, it's yeah. worth it. It's a lot of money Oof. for a chair. It's a lot. Of, well, it's the government. That's true. Now the, the government doesn't buy anything cheap. You know, that's the problem. All right, so we have a big fourth and final hour coming up. Getting into uh, Brother James, Brother James Biden and his corruption, and why all this matters around Joe Biden. Plus, uh, more on the border crisis that's happening right now uh, in the southern United States of America. Tell you what Texas is doing about it, uh, and why this is an issue that definitely matters. Plus, you know, if you are thinking to yourself, um, Hunter Biden, you know, is this a product of bad parenting? It's a good question. And it's a question that we should ask ourselves as parents. How do we make sure that, uh, I always say there are two jobs as a parent. Number one, Chris Rock's wisdom, keep her off the pole. And number two, if you got a son, make sure he doesn't end up like Hunter Biden. These are two of your jobs as parents. So was it bad parenting? Was it enabling by Joe Biden? Was he not being a tough enough role model? Or is, is this Hunter just full of crap and this is all just him whiny, victim blaming? And actually, Joe Biden was the best dad ever because he helped his son get really, really rich. We'll talk about that in our fourth and final hour here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Don't go away. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and on the free Odyssey app. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.